0: visit roberthalf.com today freaking first cut golly welcome to the first Cut podcast i'm rick gaiman that right there our resident in-house counsel Sia najad see ya good evening
1: good evening, good evening.
0: uh very Great.
1: interesting events today uh on a couple different fronts uh I'm a little
0: surprised. I got to be honest with you. Kyle Porter is here. KP, uh, I believe you described that as two weeks worth of content in two hours. It was <laughs> it was quite magical.
2: It was the most fun I've had watching golf content since the final round of the Open.
0: Was it? I guess it was I, golf content.
2: <laughs> totally. Uh, Sia, do you charge like double time for for these appearances? Like, do you charge like for the golf side and the the attorney side
1: that's right yeah i have a formula it's actually a little bit more than double but it's very mm-hmm. reasonable my fees are very reasonable
2: okay i i guarantee you the fees that we saw today from the people that were arguing are not reasonable
0: <laughs> that, that's a fact <laughs> uh we have them on retainer though so i think we're good for a while
2: um okay so
0: here's what's going on there was a hearing uh just ended in the Northern, uh, Northern District of California, Judge Beth Freeman overheard this uh, temporary restraining order. The idea behind this SIA was to potentially deter- or to determine whether or not Hudson Swaffer, Matt Jones and Taylor Gooch were going to be allowed to play in the FedEx Cup playoffs. There was a couple of uh, key points that they went through, which we will go through, but it was denied, meaning that uh, they're not going to be allowed to play. Yeah. And I
1: think the reason I'm surprised is I thought there were so many like different, really interesting procedural issues, especially when they got into the the penalties and, and the appeals and, and, and that kind of thing. But to me, it just came down to irreparable harm. She didn't see this as irreparable harm for the players. And that came down to a sort of a monetary conclusion. Uh, for her, I, I thought, and I, maybe maybe the live attorneys didn't articulate this proper, properly. And maybe you guys can can shed some light on this. I thought the irreparable harm was two pronged: that it was monetary, but also non-monetary. And if that's the case, then I think it would be hard for the judge to deem the non-monetary irreparable harm too speculative to not grant the temporary restraining order
0: the irreparable harm, Kyle, that's, that's kind of the big one. Right. And, uh, the judge Beth Freeman decided
2: uh,
0: she was just the best. Right? She's
2: the goat. Yeah. Make her, make her, her, make her this czar of golf. Like just put her in charge of golf.
0: She was like, listen, I miss three foot putts all the time. That's why she she wanted to know how likely it was for these guys to actually make it to the tour championship, which is a
2: great, it's a great question.
0: It's a great question because that's where that the, the the argument that that the live lawyers were making is that there is all this money. There's there's like seventy five million dollars on the line. There's eighteen million dollars for first place. If they don't get an opportunity to compete for that, that is irreparable harm. And and Judge Freeman was asking questions like, you know, what is their current ranking? How likely is it that they make it that far? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And that was uh, honestly a big crux of of this of this hearing.
2: I mean, she was breaking down OWGR points. I thought we were going to get into like, like Ricky Fowler being one twenty five on the FedEx Cup list. It it was, she was incredible. It was inter- I think producer Jacob tweeted this, but to watch people who don't do this every day talk about it, it felt a little normal, sportish. In that, in that you're like, this sounds absurd. Like it sounds like complete lunatics talking about almost in like a different language and you're like this is this is what we do every day like we could have gotten up there and talked 10 times more eloquently about not about everything but about those specific things and it's just it's hilarious to listen to other people talk about it that's an aside but i think um man the thing that i really struggled with i am not sia i am not qualified to watch a courtroom hearing and talk about it. And yet here we are. Uh, There were so many different things to pay attention to. I didn't understand probably half of them. They were talking about, they were just using language that I didn't really understand. And there kept being these like little rabbit trails. And I'm like, well, should I, should I go down this trail with you? Like, is this going to lead somewhere? And then they would come back and be like, well, that's not really like the point. And you're like, what is the point? And I think we finally, and and I thought they did a good job of calling it out in the middle of the process. We finally got to the point that the judge wanted to get to, which is the irreparable harm. And I thought, and I forgot who made this case beforehand, but just the point that like, yo, know, players who left for live would have presumably factored in the fact that they were no longer going to be allowed to play in the PGA Tour or in the FedEx Cup. I don't know if Taylor Gooch, who may or may not know he signed with Liv, actually did factor that in. So I felt like that was a little bit of an issue, but they would have factored that in. Now the 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 Live lawyer did try to make like state the case for what Sia is saying, which is that there's non monetary value from winning the FedEx Cup he overstated that i think because he was starting to compare people to like jack nicholas and you're like whoa whoa (laughs) like it's he he actually overstated his case by saying the fedex cup was like the world series and the super bowl and you're like it was weird to hear both sides argue like how good the other side was doing because it helped their case that was strange i don't know there's a million things i I have so much
0: so the 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 Live is trying to make it seem like missing out on the FedEx Cup is the worst possible scenario because it's the most amazing tournament and it's the Super Bowl and there's so much money on the line. And the PGA Tour has to say, "Well, no, 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 actually, actually the FedEx Cup is not that great. Don't don't worry about it." <laughs> and to yeah. hear to hear them argue that is incredible, but see, what I think what I think Kyle is alluding to here is both sides th- this is this is one small hearing that is there's going to be a a ton more of this. So both were almost kind of setting the table for this larger, potentially potential antitrust trial that might eventually come. So, so you could see them kind of branching off into different areas and, and judge Freeman trying to be like, okay, like let's, I have to make a decision on this today. Let's get back to these couple of items.
1: Right. And I think one of the things Kyle's referring to is when they went down that procedural uh, road where it actually seemed like, oh, all of a sudden Liv might have something here because it was like, all right, well, as soon as Taylor Gooch appealed the suspension, then that should stay everything. And so therefore he should be able to play in the FedEx cup playoffs. Like, you know, when you got, when they got to the end of that argument, she basically said something to, I think maybe the, um, the uh, PGA attorneys were, were there up there on rebuttal. And she said something like, well, you know, ultimately it doesn't really matter because, because if I don't rule that there's irreparable harm, then, you know, none of this really matters right now. So I just thought that was really interesting. You get into a lot of sort of side roads, but at the end of the day, it did come down to, you know, one of those big factors, the irreparable harm argument.
2: So do you, real real quick, because they got into the weeds of this uh, I'm looking at the, the player, um, the the ha- the player handbook essentially and it's it's uh chapter set i don't know what these are chapter seven uh issue I don't whatever seven c and it's mm-hmm. conduct unbecoming a professional and there's a bunch of language in there and this is what they were actually arguing in the case the commissioner may immediately suspend the players uh playing privileges the commissioner shall inform the member of the decision to revoke the probation within for like essentially it's saying that the commissioner and and the, the pga tour lawyer made a really interesting case of like if a hate speech organization wanted to sponsor let's say scotty sheffler that's an absurd thing but he's the number one player in the world the commissioner could could suspend him and because it's conduct unbecoming a professional And then, sort of like, you you wouldn't like the argument was, and this was all hypothetical, but the argument was you wouldn't be able to get a, you wouldn't be able to strike down a temporary restraining order because, or, or you would be able to strike down a temporary restraining order because having a player clothed in a hate speech organization would be detrimental to the entire organization, the entire PGA Tour, right? That was the argument that the PGA Tour lawyer was making. But she like didn't really, do, she didn't really see it that way, and I'm curious if you feel like it would have gotten past the irreparable damages thing, whether the PGA Tour still would have won this sort of initial case.
1: Well, I I I, I think that whole provision was kind of misguided. I think when you're talking about conduct unbecoming a tour golfer. I don't really think that's meant for this. Them joining another tour is more, to me, more of a procedural thing. It's not, it's not under the purview of conduct unbecoming. Certainly you could define it that way if you want to, but I, I really don't think, I think the hate speech analogy is actually what that provision is probably addressing and not somebody, you know, basically not abiding by the, the handbook, the, you know, the the events that they're supposed to play and conflicting event releases, all that stuff. So yeah, I, I I just didn't think it was a really a appropriate provision for what we were talking about. But to the extent it was, I did think there was some merit in the idea that okay, well, they've appealed the decision, so we have to everything should be stayed until that decision. There's a final decision made on that.
2: And and that's what the live and help help me if I'm like help me understand this correctly. That's what the live lawyers were arguing. If yes. your handbook says. Uh, right, that's
1: your handbook. Like
2: you wrote it. That that's yeah. your stuff.
1: And so, like that
2: that that should be like the legal
1: argument should actually be deferential to the person signing the party, not the not the person who actually wrote the contract. So, in, in other words, like that would, to the extent there's ambiguity there, it would actually inure to the benefit of the aggrieved golfers in this case, like a Taylor Gooch, for example. So, again, right. I don't know. Again, if you don't think there's irreparable harm, then maybe you don't get there. But honestly, I don't know that they're mutually exclusive. I think you could have said there's no irreparable harm and still on a procedural matter, granted the injunction on behalf of the three golfers.
2: Yeah. That's super interesting because that, that a little bit, I mean, that's, I felt like that's what the live case sort of rested on was, Hey, you're not abiding by your own handbook. And then they tried the PGA tour side, tried to force that like hypothetical into that, uh like that part of the um like you get to you get to play even it like w- while you're appealing and it didn't really work and yet the judge still ruled in their favor which i thought was i i thought that was super interesting like i i didn't i i, I don't know that i saw that coming i mean we predicted today rick that we yeah. thought both or that all three players would be allowed to play in in the uh saint G. i did too
0: yeah, I don't think she was super convinced on, on, on any of these arguments here, but it seemed to come back to the irreparable harm. And that is Kyle to go back to what you were saying. She felt that what the players were going to lose out on by not being able to play on the PGA tour was calculated that that's the word that right. they use calculated into the contracts that they signed with live. Well, if you're making up for the money that you suspected you were going to lose, that is by definition, not irreparable, right? Like it is, you have, you have made up for that. So it it seemed to be like that was the thing that pushed this to the point where it wasn't meeting the criteria that. So real quick
1: though, you can sign a contract. Like let's take it out of this context. You can sign a contract for, you know, another with another entity and you can do that knowing that the provisions that bind you with your former company are not legal and are not valid. I'm not saying those provisions aren't legal or valid, but the idea that you can that they can sign with live and therefore that means that that they should they are they know they're going to be suspended. Well, they might have it in their mind that they're going to sign with Live, but all of that, all that jargon coming from PGA Tour, that's not going to hold up in court anyway. So, so two things can be true: you can have the provisions on the front end, but you, you can also think that those provisions aren't going to hold up in court on the back end.
2: What? Tell me like I'm five. I just did. Well, tell yeah. me like I'm three.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let, let me put it to you this way. <laughs> that's funny. Um, let me put it to you this way: Taylor Gooch signs with Live. And he signs knowing that he is violating the PGA Tour bylaws, handbook Mm -hmm. provisions. Well, he might be told by counsel, well, you don't have to worry about that because those provisions are not legal. They won't hold up in court. They won't hold up against a temporary restraining order. They won't hold up against an antitrust case. So you can go ahead and sign with us knowing that when we actually get to court, those, those provisions aren't going to be valid. And therefore, you will enjoy the live you know, windfall money-wise, but you will also end up getting to play on whatever
0: PGA Tour events you want to play on. It appears that Live Council has made a lot of these almost promises, Kyle. We saw Sergio Garcia to Greg Norman text messages in which Norman kind of poo-poo's the idea of them losing any legal case and kind of saying, you know, you have nothing to worry about. Taylor Gooch, I'm not sure. I mean, he told us he was dumb. We can, I think I can second that. Like, I'm not sure he knows what he signed or what he got himself into, at least with the way that this is being presented um, in court, or maybe it's just a lot of promises from live counsel that they thought they had a stronger case than at least one very, one very small court decision is alluding to.
2: Uh, yeah. And I think um, it was really interesting throughout to hear some of the things the judge was saying and you're like oh that doesn't like like she was arguing with both like she was like she used the word probing both sides yeah. but the way she did it with Live was like a little bit more hostile it felt mm-hmm. like than with the PGA Tour side and, and one example of that is she said this was toward the end I think uh, I've got this quote she said these live contracts and she, and she's now remember like in the 106 page uh, lawsuit, she can see the redacted stuff yes. that we can't she's, see, right? She's
0: privy to all the information. They decided bef- like at the very start, they decided what we are going to say and not going to say. They, so they did not reveal the amounts of money or some specific terms in the contract, but, but everyone in, in the courtroom knows the real thing.
2: Yeah. So she, so she said these live contracts lock up these players in ways the PGA Tour never imagined. Like and what she means by that is never imagined their sort of uh membership on the PGA Tour doing. Um they are so restrictive. And then she also sort of insinuated that that uh she kept she said LIV is calling the PGA Tour a monopoly. And, but really, the real monopoly that hasn't been realized yet is live. She didn't. She didn't like say those words, but there was a big time insinuation. And she also said, "Listen, it's not illegal to be a, a monopoly. It's illegal to use your monopolistic power to prevent entry or whatever the competition, like, ad, competition
3: mm-hmm.
2: into the marketplace." Which I thought was really intriguing and then she (laughs) this sucks for the european tour but she used the european tour as like she was like she she sort of said if the european tour was equivalent to the pga tour like they were horizontal is the word she used then that would be using your monopolistic power against competition but she was like the european tour is not that they are a they are less than the pga tour so any partnership the pga tour has with the european tour is not again this is i'm reading into what she said but is not using monopolistic power against live and actually live is the one that is far more restrictive and far more um exclusive in ways that a monopoly might be than the pga tour is which i thought was really really interesting as somebody who has again not seen the live contracts and and she actually has
0: See, yeah, there is no way either side wants this to go to trial because discovery will be yes. insane. Um yes. when you get access to all the I mean we we learned, we were intentionally shielded from a lot of things during this hearing and we learned so much more about the live contracts than we ever knew if this goes to trial and full on discovery we're going to learn about text messages and emails <laughs> and business practices and all this stuff that i cannot imagine either side wants to get us get us privy to
1: so this is what i was on last week this discovery can be so broad because the stuff you can get in discovery doesn't necessarily have to be admissible in court it can be just broad like it can just it can just be Stuff that may or may not, or I should say, may pertain to the subject at hand, the facts at hand, the dispute at hand, and that is very, very broad. So you're right. Correspondence, whether that be via text messaging or emails, which you know, people, well, that European Tour thing is really interesting because I think what what the PGA Tour attorneys are going to say when when if if we get to the discovery phase is, well, no, they're not they're not allowed to get any of our correspondence to the to the European Tour because the judge already. Basically indicated or ruled that that European tour us conspiring with them doesn't really is not really relevant. Now I, I think they would get discovery on that, but Rick, you're absolutely right. There's a lot, and on the live side too, as we learned today, there's a lot of stuff that makes a lot of people look bad, and sometimes it's it it, it shouldn't be interpreted that way, but it kind of always is. So nobody wants to be in discovery. First of all, it'll be extremely expensive, yeah. but uh, second of all, it, there'll be a lot
0: of stuff that gets. Uh, Uncovered that people will not want uncovered. A couple of things we learned. uh, And Kyle, this is something that we've heard kind of rumored before. Uh, The the live lawyer um, said in the courtroom that, quote, money won in tournaments is recouped against the contracts, which has kind of been a big sticking point. And uh, Brandel Chambly was talking about it a, a lot a couple of weeks ago. You'd get guys from the live tour saying, no, that is not true. The, the pri- and, and what that means is that if, if you sign a $200 million contract and you're Phil Mickelson, presumably you don't get any money that you win in these. tour. if you win first place and get $4 million, you don't get that money until you've earned $200 million on the golf course. It's like a record label giving you an advance for your for your upcoming album that's that's the way that this is being understood which has been denied by live golf um but the the live lawyer just came out and said it today
2: yeah so i think i think what's going on here is the truth is somewhere in the middle because there was a you tweeted that out and that is what was said but there was a there was like a Like an interlude there where the lawyer said, Oh, but not all the contracts are the same. Right.
0: That was always my assumption is that Brooks's contract is different than Charles
2: Howe the third's contract. Totally. (laughs) And I think, I think what like there was a weird moment at the Portland event. I tweeted out the video of it where uh, reporters were pressing. It was that crazy uh, Kepka, Pat Perez, and uh, who else was up there? Oh, uh, Patrick, Patrick Reed, Reed. Mm-hmm. that weird presser that they had. And, and, and somebody was pressing Brooks on, on this question, whether money is, is earned against your contract. And his answer was super unconvincing. Like he, like either he just genuinely didn't know, or he, or he was confused like about how his contract worked versus mm-hmm. Charles, how the and there was a there was a woman. I, I presume she was running the press conference. I don't know who it was. That in the background said, "All these contracts are separate from money earned in the events." Right. I don't know if that's the exact wording, which I should probably get right. But that was the gist of it. And um, then that like like that is not true, right? It, it's not. It it might be true for like a couple guys. But based on what this lawyer said today, that's not true for everybody. So I think I think the reality is that the truth of it is so, like I don't think everybody's getting like earning against their contracts, but I also don't think all the contracts are guaranteed and you get money on top of that in the tournament. I think the truth is somewhere in the middle of that.
0: When I I remember I remember that presser and when when I heard this today, I went back and watched it. I remembered them all being very unsure. Yes. Of, of they were, yeah. And they were doing a lot of looking around and they weren't committal. And when I went back and watched it today, Brooks eventually got there to like, "Uh, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. And then there was a follow up question that said, well, how about for the other two of you talking to Pat Perez and Patrick Reed? And they were both just, they didn't know what to say. Nobody said anything. I think
2: Brooks said something like, no, I don't know. Who cares? Like, why are we? Like, (laughs) he, he, it was like the whole thing was very strange. And, uh yeah, there I, I mean I feel like there were a ton of things today that I either learned or got clarity on or I don't know. It was like I'm I was kind of joking earlier but I thought it was incredibly compelling to watch, you know, people under oath talk about what's actually going on.
0: Are they under oath, Sia? I'm glad you brought that up because I mean, Twitter Twitter lawyering is is amazing. Are you under oath every time you step into a courtroom or do lawyers take this like overall oath of something? Like what's the, what's the deal?
1: Well, it's both. You take an overall oath of something, but it's not its not like it's perjury if you misrepresent something to the court. There's a code of ethics that we're all bound by. And if you violate that code of ethics by misrepresenting or straight up lying to the court, then there's penalties for that, whether that's a penalty that pertains to your case or to your bar license, things like that. So yeah, you need to be kind of on the up and up, but I can tell you from practicing law and trial law and doing these motions, these types of motions, not antitrust motions per se, but these types of motions in front of a court, there's people that misrepresent things all the time. And the truth of the matter is court Courts typically are so overwhelmed that they don't really have the capacity to handle some of the misrepresentation. So they just kind of let it go and wait for the next hearing and hope it all gets parsed out. So, long story short, yeah, they are bound by a code of ethics. They are bound by just the sanction rules that they that can be impressed upon them. But that doesn't mean they don't misrepresent things quite a bit. Let's go through the highlights.
0: Um
2: we, we don't have well, time. We also there's, learned there's that. So
0: many. The live guys are contracted to wear live stuff, right? So there was a kind of an argument about if you let these three come back, are they bound by their live contract that requires them to wear live golf stuff or are they, or are they going to then be doing damage to the PGA tour if they do wear that stuff? That so, was really
1: silly. That was really was, silly. We wasted
2: a lot of time on that. They Go wasted
0: ahead. a lot of time on that. That
1: was ridiculous. I was,
2: I was confused because the live all late, I later, I think the judge messed that up. I, okay. The live all year later said that the reference in that, I, I guess in the contracts was uniforms at some point, not to like the only player. Well, there's a couple, but the prominent player that's wearing live golf gear is, is Patrick Reed. Right. And he's not even involved in any of this. So I think, I think the judge was like, and maybe even the PJ tour lawyer was confused about what like the gear was referencing. I can't believe I'm talking about any of this, by the way.
1: Well, for, first of all, that to the extent. I'm
2: talking was about uh crushers gear in a courtroom in Northern California, uh, how to, how it affects the future of professional golf.
1: I mean, you can put in, in any order, there's an order signed at the end of, of this hearing because there was a ruling involved. Like you can put in any order, like live players are to not wear live gear um, you know, during the FedEx Cup playoffs. And obviously the live attorneys would have signed off on that. So the fact that they spent like five, six minutes on that was like really, truly silly. By the way, welcome to the first cut where Rick goes back and watches press conference tape. Bravo,
0: my friend. got to grind the film. Um, a couple of other nuggets here. Let's see. The At one point, the PGA Tour used their own PIP Rankings in which they said, "Hey, here are the ten most popular golfers." And they said, "Look, five of them have gone to Live," and they basically said, "We can't possibly be a monopoly. We can't be stopping competition because our own system said these guys are popular, and we lost half of them." That happened today.
2: Well, and Live said we're going to have twenty percent market share, or, or they filed something like that in in the original lawsuit, and the judge was like, "Wait, that's." That's not like, that's not a monopoly. Like that's, that's crazy. And so like, and somebody, people have talked about that leading up to it is that it's almost like live success is sort of like preventing it from arguing that it's not having success, which is essentially what it's, what it's trying to say about the PGA tour
0: there. Oh my gosh. There was, there was a couple of other things. Um, if this goes to trial, see at the at the very end of this. They were saying, basically, this can go to trial. We can do it at a date in twenty twenty three. I forget what the date is, but basically, if you're not ready by then and you want to push it, my next available date's twenty twenty five. So, like, if you think if you think this is going to get resolved quickly, I promise you, it is not. <laughs> yeah, no case does. I, I had cases
1: in south florida that were seven eight years old before they were resolved now granted the majority are somewhere in the two to four year range and some of those don't even go to trial by the way so a lot of those are 75 percent through the the maturity of the case and and then they ultimately get settled and it's three four five years later so in a case like this i, I mean certainly at least you know i don't know which side has more incentive to get it resolved quicker but the point is these things get delayed for so many reasons. There's literally a hundred reasons to delay a case other than just the actual schedule of the judge. So yeah, this, this, this matter isn't going anywhere anytime soon, unless
0: the parties decide to sit down and somehow resolve it. I want to get to the camp Smith stuff, which is also amazing, but Kyle, anything else in regards to, I mean, there's so much, but in, in this hearing we had, Basically, they just alluded to the fact that even like whatever Taylor Gooch could win in the FedEx Cup playoffs pales in comparison to what he has already signed for live. That was kind of they did not say figures, but that was alluded to. What what else should we hit on before we go to Cam Smith?
2: Well, the the judge was just she was incredible. I, I thought she was very um, appropriately snarky throughout. She wasn't demeaning, but she she just always had this smile on her face like you guys are clowns. Like, I can't believe we're doing this. And it was, it was, she was, she was fantastic. And I thought she asked good questions. Like she asked questions that you should ask in that situation. I felt like the live lawyers, like they got a lot of stuff wrong and it was little stuff that maybe only people like, like idiots like us would notice, but they didn't seem as prepared as I would have I think imagine coming into the day. Uh, what else? I so Kyle, on.
1: let me let me ask you. Uh, like, I want to ask you guys this because maybe maybe I'm confused. Um, but when it comes to the live attorneys, I think you might be right. But tell me, uh, th- there's monetary damages potentially, which which basically got dismissed for good reason because they're making a ton of money over on the live tour. But mm-hmm. the non-monetary damages can can you like from from a live attorney's standpoint? What are those? That, that's the ability to participate
0: in, in a big event. Is that is that the extent of it? He was he was trying to make the argument that th- this is the gateway to the majors, essentially, which
2: is true. Well, see, in that's that the, the thing. Go ahead. In, yeah. In that the, the top 30 get into the Masters, the top 30 get into, I think, the U.S. Open and Open Championship. Maybe all four majors.
1: So here so here's the thing. This is why I think the ruling w- was wrong, is because she is making a you, you use the word calculated, she's making a calculation as it pertains to money. But there was also, and the live attorneys didn't do a good job articulating this, but there's also a non-monetary damages portion of this, which is access to these tournaments, which is winning a big event like the FedEx Cup playoffs, whether you want to call that a Super Bowl or or whatever. That non-monetary part, which she deemed speculative. Now, speculative is not tantamount to inconsequential. So that's essentially what she was doing was saying that it's speculative and I don't even want to like think about that because it's it's not that speculation is it consequential enough for me to factor it in? I think that's where she got it wrong. She doesn't have enough facts in at this stage of the game to actually make that determination. and that's well, I think- why I thought they were going she was going to follow the ruling that we had across the pond where, where those players got access to the Scottish Open slightly different situation but uh, I, I thought that's where she was going ultimately
2: yeah and i think my follow-up to that would be what if what if again scotty scheffler not involved what if it was scotty scheffler like he's number one in the fedex cup and like is it different because it was guys that are 20th and 70th and 90th or whatever i, I don't know what what they she are was
1: kind of implying that it was different because of that. It, yeah it, it,
2: i thought 20th was pretty good like that's, that's
0: pretty
1: what
2: i, I would have yeah. said that's pretty good it did it did um it did feel like she was imp- implying that a little bit, and that's. Um, Doesn't she know that the points are quadrupled in the playoffs, Kyle? <laughs> well, I th- I thought we were gonna get. I thought we. I thought I legitimately thought one of us might get a phone call about like, hey, what's the deal with the? How does the FedEx Cup playoffs work? Which, who knows if I'd even be able to explain that? But Jacob, um, uh,
0: Jacob said uh, Nosferatu is going to be a, a key witness in this trial when they have kids <laughs> <to> the OWGR <laughs> <For> sure. <laughs>
2: He might, he might be the thing. He might be who the whole thing hinges on at some point. Uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, like, is there? Is is there? Okay, let me. I'm glad we have C on here because I would not. We would not be doing this well, Rick. But if if the judge had ruled that 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 the damages were irreparable for reasons that we're mentioning stuff like you could get into and win the masters conceivably, you could get in, you could, uh, get into the U S open next year, whatever. Do you think that she would have ruled in favor of the live or, or the live players?
1: Yes. So it, 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 she doesn't have to make the determination that it's irreparable harm. She has to make the determination that there is a likelihood or a chance, a good chance of a irreparable harm. And again, when you're talking about a temporary restraining order, you're talking about an emergency order that is, you're you're trying to make it without knowing all the facts, without knowing all the legal arguments, because there's just not time to have that happen. That's that's where the emergency part comes in, where you have to make a a quick ruling. So to me, when you're doing a cost-benefit analysis as a judge, you either let these three guys play and add three guys to to the tournament, or you potentially deprive them of the non-monetary portion of this irreparable harm. So yeah, if she had deemed that there was a likelihood of irreparable harm, she would have had to have ruled in favor of Liv, of those three players specifically.
2: I do wonder if if by the way, it was amazing when she called it the Federal Express St. Jude Championship. <laughs> we should go with that from now on. But
0: she's, she's already got this whole thing figured out.
2: <laughs> yeah, she it might have been a like a wink wink, like I'm <laughs> in on the joke, but she uh She I I wonder if Liv's sort of ethos, which is like, look, money is all that matters. Like economic benefit is the only thing that matters, actually worked against it in this specific scenario because I think you could get to a position where you're like, well, if that's true, then the economic benefit is 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 there. Like you Mm -hmm. you sign the contracts knowing that you were going to lose out on that. And I don't that's a that's a like that's a pretty big implication and maybe it's too far down the road for a judge to get there. But I do wonder if they're sort of their only emphasis is on money, 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 and that's all they talk about. And that's like the biggest thing. I do wonder if that maybe went against them in in this specific case.
0: Um, one more thing before I forget, she, and this is probably part of a, a different antitrust case further down the road, but the uh, judge Freeman did not like, she called it the PGA tour quote, strong arming, yeah. all of its contacts and vendors. So basically, I don't know what I don't know if Jay Jay says, "Hey, you do business with these these guys, you're not going to have business with us," but they're talking about um, you know, apparel that was, that, companies
2: that was in the lawsuit.
0: Yeah, which which I imagine Jay Monahan would be yeah, reaching out to all of his contacts to curry support, but that is I guess not competitive.
1: Well, well, that will be the subject of his three-day-long deposition if Discovery goes through its regular course.
0: Okay. Final thoughts. We'll go to Cam Smith. Anything else? I mean, there's a million other things, but anything else we got to get at?
2: I I feel... um, I think... Like, a little bit of confusion over... uh, Like, there were so many things that were talked about, and again, it was irreparable harm or irreparable, irreparable damages was what it hinged on but it feels like there were like four or five other things that it could have hinged on and I would have believed or not believed but I would have been like oh yeah that makes sense like mm-hmm. of course it would hinge on whether or not this is a I, I just I don't even know like I think my biggest issue today was I didn't even know what the crux of what we were arguing was. well there, there, there are yeah. a ton of things to argue about as we have done for the last six months but I don't know like What the most important ones actually are. I I think they figured it out
0: as they were going along almost, right? It it was like they were doing this dance. I thought it was going to be much shorter than that. I legit thought Liv was going to get up there for 15 minutes. The PGA Tour was going to do like a 10 minute. It was like two and a half hours long, two hours of 45 minutes. Like I was not expecting all of that. And they were figuring out as they go. They were arguing it. I was surprised.
2: I think I'm, I, I guess I'm maybe surprised at what we talked about earlier, Sia, that. When you're when you're suspended, you can appeal and still, by the PGA Tour handbook or or uh, whatever you sign, still participate in the PGA Tour. I'm surprised that that wasn't what it hinged on, and and it was almost like this this sort of like side thing that is is adjacent to and related to that, but it it didn't maybe it wasn't the exact thing that I maybe uh, thought would be the main thing
1: it sounded like a big deal at the time but yeah i don't i don't know how that really factored in ultimately because it it really did come down to the elements of how you succeed on a temporary or emergency restraining order and in that first element the primary element i should say would be that likelihood of um of success or i should say irreparable likelihood of irreparable harm and if you don't get past that hurdle then most of the other stuff doesn't matter. Although I will say that procedural element did seem pretty compelling. However, don't forget in that handbook or in those provisions, Jay Monahan does have the discretion. He kind of has that catch all that he can, he can, I think that he can suspend anybody for like any reason. But then again, there's that appeal thing. It's kind of circular. So yeah, I hear you.
0: The other massive wrinkle in all of this is Cameron Smith, who, um, Actually, had a press conference while all this was going on. We're going to talk about that, uh, but first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners.
3: MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season, and so are we. I'm Tori Deal, and I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys! All Stars Four is finally here, and this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone.
3: There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag.
2: And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is the next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You are going want to find out. Mayor of Kingstown, new season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. And
0: we're back. During this two-hour and 45-minute hearing, Cameron Smith uh, is in. Memphis preparing for the FedEx St. Jude championship. The Telegraph uh, has confirmed, reported, whatever you want to say, that he has already signed a $100 million deal to join Lib. So literally, Kyle, this couldn't have worked out any better. They take the 15-minute recess in the hearing, and we get Cam Smith's presser, which lasted about three and a half minutes because he was asked about his ties to Lib, which I actually believe Jacob if we let's let's run i think we have this
3: yeah um you know my goal here is to to win the fedex cup playoffs that's all i'm here for um if there's something i need to say regarding the pga tour or live it will come from cameron smith not cameron percy um i'm a man of my word and um whenever you guys need to know anything um it'll be said by me
2: and just following up on that you being a man of your word, you know, the Telegraph is reporting that you've signed and are going. Would you like to
3: say yes or no to that? I have no comment to that. I, uh, Like I said, I'm here to play the FedEx Cup playoffs. Um, that's been my focus the last week and a half. That's what I'm here to do. I'm here to win the FedEx Cup playoffs. And uh, like I said, it will come from me. It won't come from Cameron Percy.
1: Do you intend to play the President's Cup?
3: Absolutely, yeah. That's... Uh, that's something that we've been looking forward to uh, for the last three years. We had a We missed a year because of because of COVID, and um, that's something that I look forward to being a part of.
0: No comment, Kyle.
3: Yeah, uh,
2: I mean it's not great. Like, it, it, if I'm reading between the lines, and you know, the Telegraph's report, Telegraph's had at least a couple of these like nailed down.
0: You you can always be wrong on this. The telegraph has been pretty good. And this is, and it's very hard to report on this stuff. As we've talked about a lot, the telegraph has a pretty good record. Not that they couldn't be wrong, but they've had a pretty good record.
2: I would, I would now be surprised. I mean, so at the open championship, what was that like a month ago? Now it was, it does. (laughs) I Remember when Rory was going to win the open. Uh, It was cam and Hideki were the two names that you kept on hearing. Now, the caveat there is you hear like when you're out there for a week and you experience this at at the U S open Rick. you you hear every name. It's like every single name. It's like, well, I not, everybody's going, but you do hear some names more than others from all these people that you talk to. And it's a little bit of, of a game of telephone, but there was a lot of smoke around cam and around Hideki, probably even more so around Hideki, honestly. Uh, I think I would be surprised now if Cam didn't leave, right? Like I I would be actually surprised if Cam Smith was playing on the PGA tour at the start of 2023. That doesn't mean he won't. That doesn't mean that these, this report is, is, uh, is absolutely correct, but that's sort of where I'm at with this. And I think the thing that I think of Rick is not just, so this would be a coup for the, for the, for Liv, obviously he's the number two player in the world, but also because, you get the Open Champion, you get the Players Champion, and you might get the PGA Tour Player of the Year, which doesn't mean a lot broadly in the sports world. But for Live to be like, okay, we have the most recent Major Champion, we have your tour's uh, best tournaments Champion, and we have your Player of the Year. Oh yeah, and they're all the same guy. Like that's a <laughs> that sucks for the PGA Tour, right? And so I think for a lot of reasons, like Cam is a perfect candidate because he's not, you know, this isn't like the PGA tour is the tour he plays on. I don't know if that he's super connected to it. He didn't grow up here. And like, you, you know, I, I think, I think globally people are not as connected to the PGA tour as some fans might think that they are. Uh, and he's also like checks so many boxes that live wants to hold over the PGA tour's head. And now they might be able to, if he ends up going.
0: Yeah. I mean, just think about the, the marketing that usually goes into your players champion, the marketing that goes into your FedEx cup champ. I mean, literally 40 times a day on the broadcast, see ya, they run the ad for the FedEx cup and it always shows the most recent winner hoisting the FedEx cup. Uh, it might be Patrick Cantlay for a whole nother year, or maybe they're going to have to resource some other ads because you, you could potentially get uh, or seemingly you're going to get Cam Smith. I agree. It's, it's a, it's a big get, um, we do a lot of reading between the lines. If you add up the telegraph story, generally speaking, a no comment (laughs) means you're going like uh, we can add up. We've we've seen some other guys go first.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I think he's going, you don't handle, a, like, he did, he did great handling that question. I mean, he, he knew what he wanted to say and that's fine, but I don't think you handle that question or the follow-up question, by the way, props to whoever asked
2: him the follow-up question. Shane, uh, was...
0: Shane Ryan, wasn't it Kyle?
2: Shane Ryan, I think asked all the questions. Yeah,
0: there. He, okay. Legitimately. He was only asked questions by Shane Ryan. And there was one other question. The thing lasted three and a half minutes. Shane, Shane handled the whole thing.
1: Well, props to Shane, because that follow-up question was, you know, it's the only follow-up question you could ask um, as it pertained to the first question. So, yeah, I don't think you answer a question like that unless you're going. I mean, if you, at this stage of the game, if you don't know that you're going, I'd be really, really surprised. And so he didn't want to say yes, because he's in the middle of the FedEx Cup playoffs. And I guess he doesn't want that heat, although he knows he's getting it now. But in his position, I would have answered it the
0: same way if I were going. And that's why I think he's going. I mean, he is, he is, um he's a great candidate, Kyle, for all the reasons that you said, but also from his perspective, you know, if you look at it and say, I get to play for 18 million now, I'm going to sign for probably a hundred. And also if, if, if at any point the majors, uh, ban live guys, but they do respect the guys who have already had exemptions or, uh, basically like if we get no OWGR points, I can still get into major, like he's. He's a he's the guy to get to this phrase that we've been saying over and over again: have his cake and eat it too.
2: Yeah, he's he is in a perfect. Uh, it, it's it's really you know in the same way that DJ was a great kind of lead candidate just because he's DJ and uh, I mean there's a thousand reasons, but Cam, it's a little bit if he goes, uh, it's a perfect marriage from both sides, right? Because Cam's like, well, I'm in all the majors for what at least five years is that right yeah and so i'm good there i'm gonna win however much money in the fedex cup so i'm good there and oh by the way my live contract went from 100 million to probably 140 million or whatever 30 20 so i'm good there and uh yeah it's i (laughs) Like, I think the question that I think about, and I haven't, I haven't, I mean, we're, we were, bullets were flying this afternoon. We're just trying to get our, you know, minds wrapped around eight different things at once is how problematic is Cam Smith leaving? Like, how, how problematic for the PGA Tour is Cam Smith leaving? Obviously, the PGA Tour is in, I think, a lot more trouble than it thought it would be in, than we thought it would be in. Um, six months ago, even four months ago. Right. And, and I, I, Cam Smith is is problematic because he's the number two player in the world, but you know, two years ago, Cam Smith is no different than Abraham answer, right. Who is now gone to live. I almost picked Abraham answer in our one and done this week, by the way, I forgot he was playing live. <laughs> that gone.
0: would have been just chef's kiss. If I did.
2: had it. I had his name written in and I was like, did he go to live? I, I, I honestly, <laughs> I like, can't remember at this point. Uh, and so I'll I pose that to you guys. How problematic is Cam Smith how problematic for the PGA tour is Cam Smith leaving for live golf?
0: It's way worse if he wins the FedEx Cup for sure. Um I think it's a big deal. I think it's yeah, I deal. mean I think it's horrible. I, I, I think it's a
1: big deal, but I, I think it's only a big deal because we keep looking at things in the present and not the future. We have such an, like I've said this a couple of times, we've had such an influx of stars like that. We actually kind of deem stars right now, like Cameron Young, Mito Pereira, you know, has kind of fallen off a little bit. Davis Riley, there's a lot of good young talent that again, given the right marketing from the PGA tour and, and from some of these broadcasts, I, I think, um, uh, I think they can supplant these guys, especially the way they're structured. I mean, it's kind of finite with the number of players and the number of teams. I suppose if they were to, to expand, it would be a different story. But a lot of the guys over there are kind of guys that are, are past their prime or injury-prone or, or what have you. They Don't get me wrong, they have stars. That's great. But there are stars here too. It's just a matter of them coming through the Corn Ferry Tour and all these other tours and, and being marketed properly.
2: It does feel a little bit like we're getting to a – sort of uh equilibrium with the tours to where they're just gonna kind of coexist for a period of time after i think there'll be some more dust to settle this fall with guys potentially like cam maybe hideki maybe some others that have been talked about i i I don't know where that's going to end but as you look toward 2023 2024 i i think the thing the thing that what is remarkable to me is like, are we going to have to start covering live as a serious product, not as a serious threat to the PGA tour, but as like it's tournaments as a serious product, because at some point you do have to do that. Like if, if everybody in the top 48 player, if all the top 48 players in the world play in the live event in Boston, you have to cover it as a serious product. Like that's sort of our job. We're not, there yet but cam is one more mark like or one more step toward that and i'm just i just i don't know like when we get to that tipping point of having to seriously cover you know this Doral event with 54 holes and talk about like you know what uh patrick reed was thinking on the 17th hole in the in the third round on on a sunday you know i i i don't know like have you thought about that rick
0: Yeah, I have. And I think there's, um, it's, it's, it's really difficult because we're just going to have to decide when it's serious enough, right? Like nothing's going to happen, right? It's not going to be like one golfer goes and now we have to take it more seriously. It's just, we're going to wake up one morning and be like, all right, like, half the best players in the world are there like this is an event that's happening and there's people that are in like if and if people are interested in it right like i don't think there's going to be a moment but we'll know
2: well i think i think what's really interesting is so we like the three of us primarily cover the pga tour right and and the major championships And, and we'll dabble in like lpga majors and some european tour stuff if the if the events are compelling some corn fray stuff when it comes time to relegation and and all those different things, what, what is, what is been established in 2022? And I think is solidified by the cam Smith. Again, if he goes is live golf is now the second best golf tour in the world, Mm -hmm. right? There's if, if they get cam and let's say one other guy, there's not really an argument against that. Like they are clearly the second best golf tour in the world and gaining a little bit on, on the best on, on the PGA tour. And so I don't know what to do with that. And I don't, I don't mean that in like an existential way. I just like logistically, like we don't traditionally we have not talked about or covered the second best tour that often, but I don't know. Like, it's just, it's a, it's a really like bizarre thing.
0: We've talked about this before Sia where I I think there's a really good chance that we know a lot more answers and see the writing on the wall, like by April of next year, just because I think that's like, there's a chance that live golf is at its absolute strongest. April of 2023, right? Because you'll get the guys that stayed for the tour championship that um, stayed for the president's cup, who knows what the major championships are going to do, I want to see what the recruitment process is, twenty twenty three and on, right? Because you'd assume I, I know there's not a money issue, but you assume it's not two hundred million dollar contracts for everybody indefinitely, right? Right. So right. so, I think that's what's most interesting to me is the perception of that tour to golfers. Uh, starting in like six months and moving forward. I agree, but I, I also
1: think that even in, let's, say, let's picture April 2023, let's say they're still viable, they're, they're still getting some of the Cam Smiths of the world. I mean, this is not a situation where there's going to be a watered down PGA tour and a great live tour, or a watered down live tour if they continue to get stars and a great PGA tour. I think this is one of the very few examples, if not the only example, where two leagues can coexist and both be elite or both be great and again i'm not calling live great now but the manner in which they're recruiting and getting some stars they absolutely have the potential to be great with the the structure that they have in place i only say that because we talked last week Kyle about the analogy of hey hey don't you want one great sports league and i think the answer to that is unequivocal yes especially when it comes to like the nfl like the nfl and the xfl completely different ball game uh, major league baseball minor league baseball it's just a different product altogether You could even potentially make the argument for... NBA and the European you know, leagues and Asian leagues and whatnot for basketball. But here, I think it's a little different. I think you would actually, because you, your original question was, will we cover that league? I think the reality is, even if that league is successful, the PGA Tour will still be very successful and both leagues can coexist without sort of that watered down feel that we have with the other sports. So regardless of live success, I think the PGA Tour is fine. And I also think if we get to a place where both leagues are in a very successful and viable place, I think that's also fine. I mean, forgetting about all the political stuff that 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 comes with that, I just think from a pure watching sports standpoint, I think both are very potentially viable.
2: That's interesting. I think uh it's it's weird. Golf's weird because y- you would never say what you just said about the NBA, right? right you would never right. say like man you know it'll be awesome as another nba and i'm not saying you're saying that live is awesome but and and i think some sometimes people like uh, people that follow us or fans or whatever like why are you guys freaking out can you imagine what people would do if another nba just sort of like spawned out of nowhere or another nfl people would be pitchforks and torches like just taking the streets of America like you like everybody would be losing it and I think because golf is is a smaller sport it's super niche all, all the things that we've talked about it it's like all this is like sort of flown under the mainstream sports radar I think people looked up when they played at Trump Bed- Bedminster and like wait what's going on over yeah. there yeah. and and so I forgot what my original. Oh, uh, so can can two weeks go? So, golf is weird because stars don't play every week anyway, and so there's this sort of in between space that can be filled up a little bit. And I think that's sort of what you're insinuating or getting at with with live golf. Um, I don't know, man. Like the next couple of years are going to be incredibly interesting. And honestly, it, it's been. As you guys would probably agree with, exhausting. Like I, I'm, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around the fact that a foreign government is like co-opting a, a professional sports league, and uh, like it's exhausting. But there's also no shortage of things to talk about, right? We would be talking about oh, the T seven guy at the Wyndham, like well, you know, like that is not nearly as compelling as what. I watch today in a courtroom in Northern California, so I think there is a little bit of. Um, I, I'm super compelled by it, and I think fan, I'm given like some of our traffic numbers and how much people are paying attention. I think fans are incredibly compelled by it too.
0: Yeah, and we'll we'll kind of put a pin in it there, but um, people, whether you say you don't care about it or not, people tune in when you start talking about it or you start writing about it. And I
2: mean the, the the number of friends that I have that are like, hey, tell me about you know, like, what's your opinion on this? And they, they never asked that about like the memorial or, you know, (laughs) what's your opinion on LIV? I'm like, Oh boy. First, I got a a lot to go through. (laughs) That was one of my notes is pick a better name. Like if we're, if it's going to be talked about in courts and by lawyers and judges, that's a crappy name. And I know it's like four months old now, but that's just stupid. And also we got to have some sort of like national referendum on PGA and PGA tour. Cause they were being used interchangeably today. It's a, it's an abomination. It should be <laughs> against the law. Uh, it was, it was super confusing and people never know what you're talking about. We got off
0: to about. a hot start when it was, uh, film Phil, Phil Michelson at <laughs> all versus whatever. I was like, Oh boy, we were off to a roaring start here.
2: So, so good. Can I pop in and just
0: say that right there and like watching that today is a humbling experience of just how many people outside of our bubble watch and care about
2: professional golf?
0: Correct. We're, so, in, a, so, we're in a bubble.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that's sort of what I'm referencing with people not even really know like mainstream sports people not even really knowing like, wait, Saudi Arabia is playing at a Trump course in New Jersey. Like is tiger what's up with tiger? You know, like that's (laughs) what it always leads back to. And it's just, it's been a strange experience to be like, not freaking out about this, but like laboring to understand all this when mainstream sports people, whether fans or reporters or whatever, are just kind of like, not even really know it's going on. It's, 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 the whole thing has been a a very strange experience from the inside.
0: And it will continue to be, and we will continue to talk about it. And I'm sure much, much more is coming down the road. And guess what? The first cut pod has you covered. We'll also do round by round recaps this week uh, after each and every round of the FedEx St. Jude championship and uh, the rest of the way here in the FedEx cup playoffs. But for now, Big thanks to producer Jacob does all the hard work behind the scenes, multiple pods today. Giddy up Sia Najad. Thank you very much available on Twitter at Sia Najad, Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS. And you can find me at Rick run. Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time.